Welcome to our Clothes with the Sun daily podcast, our daily reading of the gospel and brief meditation. I am James Thomas. Today is May 1st, Monday, 2023. It is the Monday of the fourth week of Easter. Our gospel today is once again from the gospel according to St. John. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hired man who is not a shepherd and whose sheep are not his own sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf catches and scatters them. This is because he works for pay and has no concern for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know mine and mine know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I will lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. These also I must lead, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have power to lay it down, and power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father." So today, May 1st, is the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker, and it is the beginning, obviously, of the month of May, the month of mothers and the month of our Blessed Mother. And we begin the month of May reading about Jesus as the Good Shepherd. Yesterday, Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Easter, was Good Shepherd Sunday. We always Uh, honor Jesus as the Good Shepherd on the fourth Sunday of Easter, and we read one of the passages from one of the four Gospels about Jesus as the Good Shepherd. So yesterday we read from John where Jesus is saying, I am the gate, and today he says, I am the shepherd. I heard a sermon uh, yesterday, actually, um, well done by a priest talking about the Good Shepherd, saying sometimes the shepherd needs to be the gate because we're not talking about these big fancy uh, estates, you know, with barbed wire fences. We're talking about little areas where the sheep graze and sleep for the night and the shepherd is watching them. And maybe there's some little bit of a rock wall. Maybe there's some trees and there usually is a space where a wolf could get in and the sheep could get out. So the shepherd needs to basically lay down and sleep in that spot so that if there's any funny business going on with these animals, the shepherd will wake up and the shepherd will defend the sheep. So today, like I said, Jesus is identifying himself as the good shepherd and he connects this to the father. The father loves me because I lay down my life for my sheep. Now, God loves us no matter what. And of course, between the Father and the Son, there is infinite love. But, uh, you know, it's, it's similar to talking about John as the beloved disciple. It doesn't mean that Jesus has favorites and Jesus picks, I mean, he picks us all for particular vocations. But he offers us all his love. And his love is immense and incredible and bigger than anything we could imagine. So for John to refer to himself as the beloved disciple, well, there's something going on there. And sometimes people say, oh, John's being very conceited to refer to himself as that. 
I would take it the other way. I would think think that it's uh, humility because he doesn't say himself by name. He just refers to, oh, that disciple that Jesus, in another way of saying it, that, that disciple that Jesus was very good to, that disciple that Jesus just spoiled, you know, that that's that guy. And, you know, instead of saying his own name, maybe out of humility, he just, he's speaking of the great gift that he received. But in over the ages, when people comment on this and debate about it, you know, why did Jesus love one of his disciples more than the other? Well, it really, the, the consensus in these writings is that John was more open to receiving the love of Jesus, and that's why he was the beloved disciple. Jesus is loving everybody immensely. You can't really say, you know, who's loved more by God, who's loved less, because, like I said, everybody's unique. Everybody's unique in their mission, in their vocation, in their relationship with God, their relationships with each other. But uh, some of us are more open, and this is these are really the saints, the saints are the ones that uh, allow God to love them more. And then they respond to that love. We're all called to be saints, and it begins with being loved. A lot of times we think it means some kind of servile work, which leads us into our next part, talking about St. Joseph the Worker. But yes, it is about being loved, first and foremost, and letting God's love come in. So Jesus is beloved by his father more than anybody else because he is, well, he's without sin, but also he is completely open to the father's will for him. And ultimately that will leads him to lay down his life for the sheep. So as we celebrate this feast, well, as we continue to celebrate Jesus as the good shepherd, like I was saying, we move into the feast of St. Joseph the Worker and talk about a shepherd. He is the patron saint of the universal church. And why? Because he was the provider and the protector and maybe even, you know, the teacher and some to some degree, Mary was a teacher too, but maybe like in a more official way. Anyway, I mean, provider, protector, teacher, leader, these are attributes of a father. The, of course, moms can do a lot of these things too. You know, it's not to be chauvinistic, but we're talking about what fatherhood is. And Joseph shepherded the Holy Family. Joseph led them. Joseph protected them. Joseph took care of them, provided for them. Joseph taught Jesus how to provide for others, for himself. Joseph taught Jesus how to sacrifice, how to work. Joseph was a man of great sacrifice in so many ways. And just considering all that he had to do, all that he had to give up for the sake of his role. And Joseph was a just man, a humble man, a prayerful man. And yet Jesus was taken care of. And now Joseph in heaven is responsible for great things. He was faithful in small matters. Now he's responsible for great matters. Of course, while he was on earth, he was doing some pretty great things too, working with Jesus and taking care of Jesus, loving Jesus directly as his own son. Um, But yes, now Joseph is patron saint of the universal church. He's known as terror of demons. He's patron saint of men. He's patron saint of families, patron saint of fathers, uh, patron saint of workers, which is what we celebrate today. And of course, we mentioned Mary as well, and we'll get more into Marian mysteries as we go through this month of May. Our Lady is the shepherdess of God's family. Our Lady is the mother of the church. 
Jesus set that up as well. So Jesus is shepherding us, leading us, guiding us, but he shares his mother and his father with us, his father in heaven, as well as his father on earth. And so we have intercessory prayer from Mary and Joseph. We have a great example given by Mary and Joseph, and we can have a relationship with them as well. God set us up to be a family. And I just want to say a couple words about that. There is so much going on today, morally speaking, with our society falling apart. Never mind the money, you know, and where that's all going and possible wars and this and that. But our culture and our morals are falling apart. And there are many, many people, especially young people, struggling with things like gender identity with things like homosexuality, with things like, I don't know, you know, just looking for love in all the wrong places, we can say, not to be too cliche-ish there, but people desperately seeking acceptance, love, uh, enjoyment of life, people striving to get away from what they're struggling with, their depression, their anxiety, their fears, and all of this stuff comes back to the family. When we speak about the the sexual issues, you know, that are being debated about in our society, the breakdown of the family, well, you know, making laws and whatnot, favoring all these other sorts of things hurts the family, but it's the breakdown of the family that causes all this stuff in the first place. So it's a cyclical kind of a thing. Pope Paul VI, uh, you know, one area where he did very well for the church was the area of talking about abortion and contraception. And he called this age we're living in a contraceptive age. There is a contraceptive mentality. Pope John Paul called it the culture of death, which is a logical conclusion of the contraceptive age, the contraceptive mentality. It means we take sexuality, which is meant to build family, it builds the relationship of husband and wife, and it builds the having, you know, <laughs> having children, unitive and procreative. You know, these are the purposes of marriage and sexuality, and it takes all that and it makes it trivial. It takes all that out of marriage, and it, it makes sexuality without consequences. It's just recreation now. Do whatever you want with it. And then we wonder why we have all these kids growing up in broken homes, broken families, all over the place, being passed around from mom to dad to this grandmother, that grandfather, this uncle, that aunt. And we wonder why they have all these problems. We wonder why they don't want to move out of the house when they get older. Why? Because they didn't get enough. They didn't get what they needed as children, so they're still trying to get it. Some people are in their 50s and 60s, and they're still trying to get the love of their parents because they didn't get enough. They didn't get what they needed. People are confused in their genders and in their expressions of love because basic things that are supposed... And, and psychology agrees with this. When you talk about developmental psychology, we all need a mom. We all need a dad. We all need certain things in our hearts to be satisfied by masculine love and feminine love. That's why the parents of Jesus is one of the reasons why they're so important. They gave him a family. They gave him a developmental situation here on earth 
a place and a situation where he was loved, provided for, taken care of. His self-esteem was perfectly developed. His knowledge of the world was perfectly developed so that he could then go and die on the cross for us. So could he, he, so that he could be the model human being, the model, the, the example of all of us of how to live. But in our society today, with all of this broken down, and even families that are together, they're, they're, so many are more focused on their creature comforts than they are on family relationships. They're more focused on their phones and their TVs and their Netflix. They're more focused on having the additional car, the additional boat, the additional vacation house, or just having a big, luxurious home, but they're never in it. And as a result, well, the kids, it's funny, I, for a number of years, I worked in two schools at the same time, and one school had a lot of richer kids, one school had a lot of poorer kids. And the school with the richer kids, um, there was a lot of pain there in those kids. There was a lot of pain. At the same time, they were raised to make everything look good. I was raised in a similar situation to that. You know, the importance of... Uh, putting on your best, making sure everything looks good, dressing the part, etc. And as a result of that mentality, that way of living, we don't address our hurts. We're told to cover them up so the people can't see them because you don't want to look bad. And as a result, just going back to the school where I worked, these kids did not, um, they didn't reach out for help. They were hurting. There was lots and lots of pain there. But they acted as if the pain wasn't there. But then you knew the pain was there because of the way that they acted out. Whether in school, out of school. I can't tell you how many times working with students I was devastated because there was a a suicide, a drug overdose. uh, Just crazy, reckless behavior, speeding and drinking and this and that. That led people to, to horrible things. But the other school where I worked where there was a lot more poverty among the students. Um, It's a shame because there was a lot of anti-Catholic sentiment among the faculty and staff, which also (laughs) didn't help our students and led our students to uh, bad places in their lives. But for the kids themselves and my ability to work with the kids, um, they didn't have creature comforts, but I found in these kids a greater maturity. I found in these kids, um, even the kids that came from broken homes, um, they were able to just talk to me and say, hey, I'm hurting today because this happened at home. I'm struggling with my dad. I'm struggling with my mom. Can we talk? And I, I counseled so many kids in that situation who were just humble to say, you know, I need help with this or that. And and the thing was, it wasn't they, they weren't just coming to me. I mean, they the faculty is just a, it was a beautiful situation in that. The faculty were very open to the students and the stupid students were not stupid. I said that by uh, mistake, but the students were very um, open with the faculty and there was a lot of mentoring going on. And once again, getting back to the family, um, you know, there's a need for mothering. There's a need for fathering. These are two different things. And there's a need for both. There's a need for mentoring of both kinds. There's a need for masculine love. There's a need for feminine love. And when we don't get these things, and none of us have been raised perfectly, then we act out. Then we, we're looking for things. We're, we're trying to find 
the satisfaction of our hearts in other places. And so our society is broken down because of the breakdown of the family. They go hand in hand. And the breakdown of the family is directly connected to the breakdown of the church. And to say which comes first, the chicken or the egg, well, they both lead to each other. So the church doesn't see itself as a family anymore. I was at a mass recently where the priest, and and yeah, this is happening all over the place. He's talking to the people about fewer masses, shutting churches down, all the things that are the logical conclusion of what's happening in our world right now and what's happening in the church. Our Lord did say you'll know them by their fruits. So there are places in Christianity and Catholicism that are thriving right now. We don't want to learn from them, though, because we want to just maintain the status quo. We got to keep the business running. That's what our leaders are telling us. Keep it going. Keep the business running, even though nobody's coming and everything's falling apart. So one of the things that's so crucial about the stuff that works versus the stuff that doesn't work is that there is genuine community. And it's not just community that works where you have like good interaction among the people. I mean, that's hard to find more and more, especially with, uh, you know, different races of people moving into a neighborhood, the people that used to be there, now they're resentful. And then you have masses in different languages and people all want this and want that and complain that they don't get what they want and this and that. Isn't it a shame the church doesn't have a language that we can just offer all the masses in and that way we wouldn't have these kind of, oh, wait, we do. Oh, but that's topic for another day. Okay. Um, But... Yes, there is the concept of church as family among the people, which is failing. But then there's the concept of church as family, which is a communio, a word often used by Pope Benedict and Pope John Paul, which is communion. It is a unity that's founded on Christ. It is a unity that goes deeper than simply being bonded on a human level because we have friendships and we have common activities. It's a unity that comes from me growing as close to Jesus as I can, you growing as close to Jesus as you can, and all of us doing that, and then it forms us as a family. Supernaturally, we are bonded together as a family because our focus is on being Jesus's family together with Mary, together with St. Joseph, the saints, the angels, together with all of our separated brothers and sisters all over the world, people of different denominations, true, but also just people, you know, in labor camps in China, people in India, people in South America, Australia, people going through all kinds of different things all over the world. That connection, that solidarity, it, it begins with a deepening of each one of our individual lives of faith. So I don't know, lots to think about today. I'm just trying to wrap it all up here. You know, we're celebrating St. Joseph. We're celebrating Our Lady. We're celebrating Jesus as the Good Shepherd. And yes, this reading, and I mentioned it yesterday, it's not just about you following the Good Shepherd, me following the Good Shepherd, each of us individually, but it's about what Jesus does. He draws us together into a flock, and it's important for the flock to be united. It's important for us to see each other, to see our faith as a family. And if we're not seeing it, 
we're not getting ready for heaven. We're, you're not going to be able to get into heaven if you have prejudices. It's not allowed in heaven. Sorry. You're not going to be able to go to heaven if you just want to be alone with Jesus and, and everybody else has to leave or whatever, whatever it might be. If you're just after services, providing services, I want my grace, I want my confession, I want my wedding, my funeral, my baptism, and then I'm out of here, then that's not preparing for heaven. That's no good. Celebrating a first communion because it's a photo op. All right, we got this. We got what we wanted. We can check this off. We got some nice pictures. We rented a tux for the day, whatever. That's not preparation for heaven. And that's not going to lead us to heaven here on earth. And so many of us don't even know that that's possible. But there is healing. And that's why we do podcasts like this, to let people know there's so much good happening in the church that's all about healing. And you know what? When you get into these ministries, things like Unbound, when you enter into these kind of ministries, Theology of the Body Institute, etc., you know what experiences the healing? It's the relationships. When we're striving to understand why does this person have so much anxiety? Oh, it's because of something that happened with their father. Okay, let's bring Jesus into that. Let's heal that. Let's heal the memories. Let's bring forgiveness into it. Let's bring Jesus into the memory so that we don't really need the earthly father that failed in that situation anymore. Because now Jesus, we're going to bring Jesus into these situations and pray that he become the Lord of every single one of them so that our hearts heal, so that our... uh personalities can develop and our whatever it is that we need, whatever is lacking, our masculinity, our femininity, our, our ability to communicate and connect. So anyway, we'll be talking more and more about these things, but uh, yeah, there's so much to say about bonds of family and communication that are all broken down nowadays because of our culture, but mostly because we've abandoned the Lord, who is the good shepherd, who is the source of our unity. So we pray that we will continue to grow in all these areas and truly more and more build up the body of Christ. Have a great day, everybody. God bless you.